0: Just as the calendar is counting down to Christmas, it's also counting down to the return of Jesus Christ. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says we need to be prepared.
1: There are Christians today that can be asleep at the wheel. Instead of walking in the Spirit, they're in effect sleepwalking. And by that I mean there's a lethargy, there's a passivity, sometimes there's even a laziness in their life. So God is saying to us, wake up. This
0: is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Oh, can you hear all the angels are singing? This is the day, the day when life begins Have you ever been driving along a familiar road and suddenly you realise you don't remember the last couple of Ks? Your mind was a fog. You were going through the motions, hand on the steering wheel, foot on the accelerator, but you weren't actually focused. Pastor Greg Laurie is concerned that some people may be serving the Lord that way. A lack of focus in a bit of a fog. On a new beginning today, we get a wake-up call to be alert and prepared for the soon return of the Lord. Some insights coming up from the book of Romans.
1: Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten a call in the middle of the night? Well maybe we should say early in the morning. Say two or three. Remember when the phone rings your heart jumps, right? Nobody wants a call at that hour of the morning. And I don't know why but the caller will always ask, Did I wake you? (laughs) Did you wake me? And why is it that we generally say no? Why do we say yes? I'm asleep. It's nighttime. You woke me. Well we deny it. Sometimes I watch cartoons with my grandkids. uh, And so we'll sit there for a while. And and the other day my grandson Christopher said, Papa, why do you always fall asleep when you watch cartoons with us? And immediately I denied it. I don't. (laughs) But actually I do. Uh, And so there is something about sleeping we want to deny. (laughs) I bring this up because here in Romans 13... Paul tells us as Christians that we need to wake up and stop living in denial about the fact that some of us are actually sleeping spiritually. Some years ago we were in Israel. Christopher, our oldest son, was probably around 13 years old. And Jonathan, our youngest son, was around 3. So we had a Bible study that night and and Christopher still had jet lag. We said, watch your brother we're going to go down to the Bible study. So we went to the Bible study. And after it was done, I came out. And there in the lobby of the hotel is, is some woman I've never seen before holding my son Jonathan, who has fallen asleep in her arms. I'm a little alarmed by this. Like, what what is this? You know? And I said, excuse me. And she goes, oh, is this your son? I said, yes. Well, we figured out what happened. Was meanwhile up in the room, Christopher, who can sleep like no one could ever sleep, uh, combined with jet lag had fallen asleep. Little Jonathan tried to wake him up. Christopher wouldn't wake him up. So he toddled on over to the front door and is walking around in the hallways of the hotel. Some very nice lady takes him, waits for the irresponsible parents to show up, <laughs> and returns our son to us. But that is how some of us are. We are asleep and we don't even know we are asleep. We went to Christopher. What are you doing? He goes, I didn't even know. And that's how some of us can be as well. So let's read now Romans 13. And I'm going to read verses 11 to 14. Do this knowing the time. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Well there is a lot there in those verses I will tell you. So if you are taking notes here is point number one. Wake up. Point number one is wake up. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 11. Knowing the time. Knowing the time. J.B. Phillips translation puts it this way. Why all the stress on behavior? Because I think as you've realized, the present time is of the highest importance. What is the present time that Paul is referring to when he says, knowing the time, it's time for you to wake up. I believe Paul is alluding to the fact that Christ could come in our lifetime. How many of you believe Jesus could come back today? Raise your hand up. Well, that's good. You're very, very astute theologically. Because that's correct. He could come back today. So be aware of the fact that this could be the day Christ comes back. But then there is another thing I would add. Be aware of the fact that you don't know how long you are going to live. You know I am kind of getting to the home stretch now in life. You know, I I don't know how much longer I am going to live. Ten years, twenty years, thirty years. God knows. Maybe more. Maybe less. But I am not at the beginning of my life anymore. I am coming toward the end of it. And I remember when I was young, I thought I had all the time in the world, and in a way, I did. But then you get older, and I remember when I was young, I would think, "Where do these old people come from? They're strange, and they move slowly. And who are these people, and where where do they live?" And well, now you look at yourself, and you go, "Wow, it happened to me too." But here's the thing: you know, you who are younger are saying, "Yeah, you know, preach to the old people, Great. Well, I am. I'll do that, but. I know many young people that have passed on. I mentioned my son Christopher. He he left this world for the next one. He went to heaven at the age of 33. Who would have ever thought that would have happened? So what does this mean? It means live every day as though it could be your last day because one day it will be. And I don't mean that in a morbid way. But back in ancient days, they had a phrase they would write over financial documents in particular. And the phrase was memento mori. What does that mean? It means think of death. And the reason they would put it on a financial document is because it would just be a grounding thing to be reminded of. Oh look how much money I have in savings. Look at how much money I have invested. Hey buddy, memento mori. Think of death. You are going to leave it all behind you one day. So keep perspective and, and make each day count. That is why the scripture says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. So make each day significant. Make each day important. Make each day count. So we need to wake up, verse 11, knowing the time. By the way, Paul is addressing these words to Christians. He is addressing his remarks to genuine believers whose spiritual lethargy and laziness made them appear and act as though they had no spiritual life. Effectively people who are asleep at the wheel. I read an article the other day in the paper. Well actually it wasn't the paper. I don't even read the paper anymore. But I was reading a news story online the other day about a car that had autopilot and the person who was driving the car or should I say the robot who was driving the car the driver fell asleep. So the cops see this car driving by. The guy won't respond to them. They finally had to force the car over, and this guy was completely asleep as his car drove him. I don't know if he programmed wherever he was going to take me home or wherever. The guy was asleep at the wheel. It's kind of crazy, right? But there are Christians today that can be asleep at the wheel. Instead of walking in the Spirit they are in effect sleepwalking. And by that I mean there is a lethargy. There is a passivity. Sometimes there is even a laziness in their life. So God is saying to us, wake up. Wake up from this state of sleep. And by the way these words may have more relevance to an older believer than a younger believer. Because when you are a younger believer you are full of energy. You are full of vim and vigor. I don't even know what vim and vigor are but you are full of it. (laughs) You know when you are a young Christian you want to do things for God. You want to read the Bible. You want to go to church. You want to share your faith. You want to change the world. But sometimes when you are an older believer you want to take a nap. Remember when you were a little kid and someone would say, Go take a nap. I don't want to take a nap. Take a nap. That was like a punishment. Now when you're older, if someone says, Take a nap, your response is, Yes. (laughs) So maybe this is more relevant to an older believer than a younger believer, that we need to wake up.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA, He's essentially urging us to wake up today to be ready for the soon return of the Lord. It's from our studies in chapter 13 of the book of Romans. Let's continue.
1: Number two, we need to suit up. Suit up, look at verse 12. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. How many of you have fallen into a septic tank? Raise your hand up. Nobody raised their hand. One person raised their hand. Did you really? Is that why there's empty spaces around you there? um, But let me just say this. uh, For the sake of illustration let's say you had maybe new outfits you bought. Really liked it. And you fell into a septic tank. Forget about your new outfit. Uh, Don't try to wash it. You will just destroy your washing machine and everything else will smell like it. Take the outfit. Throw it away party is over. I would say the same thing if you got a direct hit by a skunk. Just let that go. So here is the analogy that Paul is using. Cast off the works of darkness. Get rid of them. They they smell. They are toxic. They are destructive. And replace them with the armor of light. We all know that we are in a spiritual battle. Some of you have gotten beaten up a little bit this week. Some of you have gained some ground and some others maybe lost a little ground. But that's why the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. Because in this spiritual battle it's a choice of victory or defeat. Of winning or losing. But there are times we feel a bit overwhelmed. Boxer Mike Tyson was quoted as saying. Everyone is a fighter until they get hit. That's true. Especially if you get hit by Mike Tyson. Because if you've seen matches and the opponent was hit or bit by Tyson, <laughs> you could see their reaction. It's like, boom! And they're just like, you know, like a cartoon almost. That man knows how to hit. So you can talk real tough. Oh yeah, man, I'm not afraid of the devil and I can handle it then you get hit. And it's like, whoa, man, what was that all about? That's spiritual battle. Put on the armor of God. Point number one, wake up. Point number two, suit up. Point number three, sober up. Sober up. Verse 13 says, don't live in revelry and drunkenness. Let me put this into the modern vernacular. Don't party and drink. The phrase that Paul uses is a description of a bunch of Inebriated people walking down the street together—that's revelry. Don't engage in revelry. You know, you'll see a party of people maybe in a restaurant. And they order drinks and they start getting louder. Pretty soon they're laughing. Who knows what they're even laughing at? And it, it just goes on as it does. And and so Paul is saying that should not be true of you. You should not have this other substance controlling your mind, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be. The Christian should not be under the control of the spirits. The Christian should be under the control of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we need to wake up. We need to suit up. We need to sober up. Number four, we need to clean up. We need to clean up. Look at verse 13. Don't live in lewdness and lust. The word lewdness comes from a Greek word that simply means bed. And it's the same connotation as we would use today if you were to say of two people, they went to bed together. We understand that does not mean they took a nap. That means they had sexual relations. So don't live this way. Then the word that he uses here for lust is very graphic. It doesn't just describe a person given over to immorality. This is a description of a person who's living immorally, but is incapable of feeling shame. It's shameless excess and the complete absence of restraint. This is a person that's living immorally, but they're proclaiming it. They're flaunting it. They're proud of it. And we see a lot of this coming from Hollywood, don't we? Hollywood wants to make bad things look good and they want to make good things look bad. So they'll take something that's forbidden, something we know is sinful, and the way they shoot it, and the music behind it, and the way it's presented. They make it look very appealing, very tantalizing. Then they'll take something that's good and virtuous and wholesome and they'll make light of it, make fun of it, or even outright attack it. No, don't live that way. And it frightens me when I hear of Christians engaging in sexual activity outside of God's constraints. Having affairs, extramarital sex. Having sex before marriage, premarital sex. First Corinthians 6.18 says run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And listen to this. When you're spiritually lethargic or sleepy, you become more vulnerable. Case in point, King David. He was no longer the shepherd warrior of his early days. We find him in 2 Samuel complacent, sleepy, bored, with too much time on his hands. And 2 Samuel 11.2 says, Late one afternoon, After his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And ironically, the woman taking a bath was named Bathsheba. (laughs) Now we read this, walking on his roof. What does that mean? It means that back in those days, their roofs were flat. It was still living space on top. His palace would have been perched above the other home. So standing up there, he had a vantage point. He could see into other people's rooftops. He could see into other people's yards. He could see people down on the street. He could survey everything in one fell swoop. He was just kind of looking around. Was David looking for trouble? I think he may have been. Same thing can happen to us when we are out surfing the web. You know, we have time in our hands. We just start clicking, clicking links. Go over here. Oh, my Facebook feed. Here's clickbait. Here's this little picture. Check this out. I click that. Then I click this other thing. Then I click another thing. And one thing leads to another. That's what was happening to David. And then, of course, you know the rest of the story, how he had sexual relations with Bathsheba and ultimately ended up murdering her husband to cover it up. What a sordid thing. It was. So what was David doing? He was sleeping in and being lazy physically and spiritually when he should have been leading his troops into battle. It said he was taking a spiritual vacation. I remember years ago I was over in the island of Oahu in Hawaii. And I was in a mall. And some guy came up to me and recognized me and we started talking. I said, well where do you live? He told me. It was Oregon. I asked him where he went to church. He said, well I haven't been for a while. I said, why? He says, well I'm on a spiritual vacation. He's like, buddy, come on now. And so we had a long talk. And thankfully that resulted in him making a recommitment to the Lord. You can't take a spiritual vacation. We want to keep our distance from these things because the moment you stop going forward spiritually, you'll start to go backwards. The moment you fall asleep, you're going to be weak and vulnerable. That happened to David. It can happen to us.
0: Important word of warning from Pastor Greg Laurie from our study today in Romans chapter 13. We're hearing a message called Wake Up, Suit Up and Lighten Up. Well, next time on A New Beginning, we'll hear how the Lord wants us to be fully devoted to Him all of the time. We might come up short of that, but we'll get some good help from Pastor Greg Laurie. That's tomorrow, same time, right here on A New Beginning. of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Wake Up, Suit Up, Lighten Up. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call one 800 0 Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au